Welcome to Amplify Love, a show for the light worker, the soulful influencer, the seeker of peace, and advocate of love. I'm your host, Jenny G. Randolph, a former lawyer, a former therapist, current mom to three, and soulful leadership coach and channel. I bridge people to the spiritual realm. That includes angels and archangels, ancestors, spirit guides, and even Jesus, so they can get answers to their biggest questions about life and purpose. Each show, you'll get insights and tools to help you connect to the powerful spiritual being that you are and that you're meant to express here. This is so needed like never before during this pivotal pivotal time in our history during COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement and the full global uprising to end racism and discrimination. We are at a crossroads and you are important. I'm here to remind you of that too. In 1999, I quit law to find my true purpose. 15 years later, after much meditating, studying A Course in Miracles several times, studying and becoming a therapist, raising three kids, hours and hours, weeks of spiritual workshops, personal development, going through divorce and lots of therapy, I finally knew my purpose when I saw my first angel in the Calgary airport. I am a bridge to the spiritual realm. A few months later, one morning after meditating, I was at home, the kids were at school, it was quiet, a rare thing. I heard the angels and Jesus, yes, Jesus, tell me loud and clear, you are on our team. You have an assignment to write for us. And after some little bit of freaking out and worry about what the neighbors would say when they found out I was talking to Jesus, I got over myself and I knew I had to try to to do this assignment, even if I didn't know what that might look like. And 150 word pages later on my computer, I had scribed the book, Love's Curriculum, Messages of Enlightenment, which has turned into this mission to amplify love on the planet. Today, we are going to look at how can we build a world that truly embraces all of us, all genders, sexual orientations, disabilities, colors, religions, politics, even points of view. Is it even possible? And how can you help? To dive into this topic, I am so excited to join in conversation with a noted author, activist, theologian, and pastor working at the intersections of spirituality and social renewal, Reverend Brandon Robertson. Brandon was named by the Human Rights Campaign as one of the top faith leaders leading the fight for human rights. Brandon has worked with political and social leaders around the world to end conversion therapy and promote LGBT plus rights. He is a sought after speaker and organizer who has worked with dozens of churches and other organizations to help them become more truly inclusive. And he wrote the book, True Inclusion, Creating Communities of Radical Embrace. He has spoken at the White House, Oxford University, the U.S. Peace Corps headquarters, Parliament of the World's Religions. He is the author or contributing author to 10 books on spirituality, justice, and theology. He also writes regularly for Pathios and has bylines in Time Magazine, San Diego Union Tribune, the Huffington Post, NBC, and the Washington Post. 
Brandon currently serves as the lead pastor of Mission Gathering Christian Church in San Diego and is the host of the Quest podcast. Welcome, Brandon. I am trying to unmute you here and my computer is not agreeing after all that to do. Let's see. Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> hey, it's just one of those days. <laughs> yes. It's good to be with you, though. Oh, it's so good to have you. And I feel I'm so honored. This, this isn't the first time we're talking that we've actually got to connect over Zoom a few times and explore uh, so many of these topics that we're going to look at today as well. Totally. Yeah, it's been good to get to know you and your journey a little bit. And yeah, I'm excited to be able to chat with you today. So in your book, True Inclusion, which I love and recommend to everybody, especially I, I read it before we had uh, so much of the the renewal and uprising again for Black Lives Matters. And I just see how important this book. So I recommend True Inclusion to everybody especially when we're looking to create this inclusive world. I imagine. Yeah. So I want to start with this part in true inclusion where you say that there was a point where you asked yourself, how can I be a person that doesn't merely welcome individuals from all genders, sexualities, ethnicities, cultures, socioeconomic statuses, uh, disabilities, backgrounds, religions, like everything. And how yeah. could you more than just welcome them, but embrace them with God's unditional, never ending, all expansive love. Can totally. you tell us, yeah, what prompted that moment? Um, I would say it kind of turns you into this activist that you are now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think growing up, I actually, I grew up in a, a fairly racist family, but I was actually just reflecting recently. Um, I was at my parents, I was going through old photo albums and realized just how diverse of an environment I was blessed to grow up in um, my high school and elementary school and middle school, all of that. I was surrounded by people of color and different religions. And so I, I actually think early on, uh, God had been working within me to create a desire to help uh, especially religious communities, become more inclusive. And my own journey, obviously, it led me as an LGBT person to start trying to reconcile faith and sexuality and help the church, um, the particularly evangelical Christian church, to become more inclusive of LGBT people. And I also was mentored by uh, a pastor who his whole heart was racial justice and helping white churches um, be better position to be multicultural and stop trying to be so homogenous. And so as I see all of those pieces, um, it, it's just clear to me that bridge building, diversity, inclusion, these things have been a part of my journey from as long as I can remember. And um, there was a point when I finally became a pastor of my own church um, that was, I mean, Mission Gathering, where I serve now, is a very inclusive community. It has been from its beginning, but there's also this sense that a lot of churches like ours are really good about being LGBT inclusive and are really good about saying Black Lives Matter, but don't actually consider all of the other ways that we perpetuate exclusion, whether that's uh, to differently abled people, whether that's um, to people of different socioeconomic statuses. And so um, one of the turning points for me was to become a pastor of this community and really have to begin to um, walk what I had been talking, and the other side of it was I just I've spent a lot of times preaching in liberal churches that, like I said, are really happy to fly a rainbow flag, but don't actually practice radical inclusion of everyone. And so that's what brought me to the point that I am today, and uh, really helped fan the flame of this passion. Wow. Well, when you speak about that, I just keep thinking of. Uh, every moment of, I want to say, um, exclusion you experienced, perhaps fear, courage, like, like you kind of, you listed, yeah, and I've, I've done this and that and spoken up. And I think of every like personal moment though, where you had to have that courage to keep going. How, totally. 
yeah how where do you think that I guess came from or what might you let other people know about that moment that they might experience as well yeah you know I think very early on um it's it's funny to hear you and other people like talk about that as courage because for me it was just kind of living and doing the best I could with what was in front of me um but I grew up in environments that were pretty toxic abusive alcoholic family and very early on kind of had to start figuring out how to press through pain press through adversity um and dream for a world a life a reality that was better than the one that I was living in. And so I really have felt like that's been another reoccurring theme in my own journey is I ended up in Bible college in a conservative Bible college in Chicago as somebody who was wrestling with their sexuality. And I faced a lot of pushback and a lot of condemnation while I was there. And I had to wrestle with God and with myself to say, um, either I can just give up and go the straight and narrow way, so to speak, and suppress my sexuality, or I can leave this community behind completely, or I could try for another way, which would be to stay with the community that I love and actually try to press forward and see if change is possible. And uh, again, some people call it courageous. I kind of <laughs> think of it as kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> totally. It, it's not always, not always been <laughs> easy or healthy, I think, but yeah. um but I am, I feel called to be a yeah. bridge builder. This is where God has placed me and the calling I have. So, yes. And I, 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 I feel that about you as well. And I think um, those listening, many of us, it's that called to be a, a warrior of light, um, a revolutionary, just like Jesus, even yeah. though it's hard, it's not easy. It's, we have doubts. Um Almost like you said, you could, you, you just, it's almost like a, just a way of living. You can't not do it, maybe. Yeah. That's been my experience as well. Totally. I feel like that's what it is when we start living in the flow um, and living in line with our calling or whatever, however we want to phrase that experience. I think um, it just flows out of us. You can't, like I said, can't not do it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and it doesn't look always like you said, <laughs> nice. Yeah. It doesn't, probably ever like nice and neat <laughs> oh. and it and it does require um I guess I want to this brings me to the point and we've heard maybe I've heard some more talk lately about um white privilege the patriarchal system really that we've been living under and in the book true inclusion um again uh, I encourage you all to read it. I'm there's so much history in there. Um, Bible his, or I want to say history of Jesus and the time he lived in and history of patriarch and how did we ever get so exclusive and how that's been, I want to say part of our world forever, but I'm going to start, I'll just read. I was looking through the book and every time I read your book, I'm like, Oh my God, I got to post that as a quote. That's so cool. Aww. Yes. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> And I think it uh, it resonated at the at the heart. It's just the heart saying that is truth. And um, so let me start with the quote, and then we can dive into maybe a discussion a little. So this was on page sixty one, and it was a challenge really to us as a society. It says, "You say if our communities of faith are to be faithful to the teaching of Jesus." We must work to dismantle patriarchy in our communities and culture. We must work to create the alternative kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdom of this world and seek to level the playing field so that all sit as equals around God's table of grace. Patriarchy is the principal enemy of the Christian and is the primary threat to the inclusive gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone who claims to follow Jesus the renegade rabbi from Nazareth who posed a literal threat to both the political and religious establishment must follow in his footsteps by flinging open our doors, dismantling our hierarchies and giving the voiceless back their voices. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm shouting, yes, yes. <laughs> Them fighting words in a way. Totally. Um, 
but I guess what I pulled out of that was, well, one, I love this seeing Jesus as that renegade. And you speak a lot about how he was in his time, there was such a patriarchy set up even within, I think, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm recalling is the way the Jewish system was set up of the clean and the unclean and more to that even, but that that their own need to have that was partly because of their own repression before by other patriarchies. Um, And then Caesar and all of the Roman patriarchy and that Jesus was saying, no, no, we're all equal. Um, But then the, I always like to say like Christianity came after Jesus. Um, Then the churches came in and all of a sudden the church itself became just another form of patriarchy. And so I hear you calling us really back to the original message that Jesus and, and now of course is the time we're, we're really being called to bring that forward. Totally. Yeah. I mean, for me, this was a surprising realization. Um, as I, studied. Um, I got my master's degree literally just focusing on first century Greco-Roman sexuality and gender identity and how those things worked out in society. And um, just realizing that what I call patriarchy, I think patriarchy for me is an overarching term for the systems that kind of have been culturally dominant in much of the world throughout much of human history, where not only men uh, maintain this position of privilege and power in society, but um, it usually works out to be a particular race or ethnicity of man, depending on what culture you're in. Um, mm. It's usually a socioeconomic status associated with that. It's usually a religious identity. Um, and that's just something that has emerged culturally. And what ended up happening in the Jewish tradition and later the Christian tradition is because that was in the water of culture it was just assumed to be the way God had created the world. And so we see it seep into the Bible and we see people putting the patriarchy in the in the mouth of God. And really uh, when we get to the person of Jesus, you see him causing all sorts of trouble because he's questioning whether these religious traditions were actually from God or if they came from other people, people trying to preserve their own power and privilege. And so I just saw Jesus, and this is a common um, thing that scholars would say about the historical Jesus, that he's primarily this religious prophet in the first century who rises up and says the way things are for our people, the Jewish people, but also for all of society is fundamentally out of sync with what God desires and God desires a society in which the valleys are exalted and the mountains are made low, a society where um, women can sit at the same table as men, which was, again, revolutionary in first century Jewish <laughs> culture. But mm-hmm. he does it. And frankly, it pisses a lot of people off and <laughs> they kill him for it eventually. Right. Um, and unless you understand that culture and context, which most Christians, unfortunately, don't, then you're going to miss out on what Jesus was actually up to in the world. Yes. Yes. And I, I've, oh yeah, <laughs> I've always known like the Jesus that I have always guided me and connected to growing up and just my soul has been around the love, the yeah, unconditional love inclusion. And when I channel the the guide, Jesus, the energy that comes through in love's curriculum is all just yes, this love inclusive that we are to be that love, um, like he was to. And so reading the book True Inclusion, though, it did open my own eyes. I didn't realize, though, even though my heart knew that about Jesus, I didn't realize the history, the context, the political, maybe a little bit. But I think you're right when most people today don't know that. And yeah. it's so important that we, told- yeah. Yeah, I just think I always say, and this kind of gets me in trouble, um, but. (laughs) No, not you. (laughs) But I'm a Protestant um, and our tradition was kind of the tradition that said the Bible needs to be in the hands of everyone. People should be able to interpret the Bible on their own. And while I affirm that as such a good thing, I also see it as a really bad thing because um, 
people became armed with this book and with their own interpretation devoid of the context and the culture. And they're not to sound elitist, but there is something about a priest going away and studying for four to eight years, uh, studying Greek and Hebrew and learning the culture and context that does is necessary to interact with uh, the text of scripture in an accurate way. And so I think mm-hmm. my part, part of my calling as a pastor is to really kind of take the academic study I've been privileged to have and kind of make it accessible to my congregation and to others so that we do get to start seeing the really interesting things that, again, some of it can be intuitive, but a lot of the stuff that I've learned about sexuality in Rome and gender identities, like, you would never imagine. And it's really cool once you see it because it unlocks so much meaning in the Bible and you begin to see why Christianity formed the way it did and why Judaism formed the way it did. So that's what I'm trying to get at, at a philosophical level. Um, Yeah. Yes. Well, a few things came to mind was I was talking to some friends about the racial issues and I've had like my mind Um, opened around a lot of that too I watched the documentary 13th and I somehow in our history we didn't learn what it was that actually slavery continued past the civil rights just in a different form Um, like in all the political ways that repression was still gone and just again to really see the context was eye-opening and um, we kept saying like the hearts and minds were never changed back Mm -hmm then people so so you can say something's illegal now or we're changing it but I feel like the education or the awareness um all of that um say white supremacy or the idea of patriarchy or exclusion or that we need to put down a certain all of that which my kids nowadays they go how could someone think that someone of a different color is not the same like they're like where did that start yeah (laughs) Um, yeah but I don't think minds and hearts were ever changed. And when I hear you say, if we could, some people can read the Bible without knowing the context. And I would hope and then in learning some of that context, it does start to change hearts and minds because maybe even ultimately we all want to come back to God, which is love and these exclusive, harsh ways of reading the Bible or punishing people with the Bible is so not that. But I almost want to say when they, they start to maybe open to the context that they could say, oh, I don't need to still believe this way. I don't need to think that I have to exclude. Um, yeah. yeah, it's and I hate to use the word they because even there I'm saying they and me and <laughs> it's not very inclusive. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but I think there's I actually talk about it in the book a little bit. There's a point in which I mean. Uh, inclusion does have a, a boundary line, right? And um, I mean, I've had to wrestle with this as a pastor. Like, yes, I'm all about changing hearts and minds. And there's a, there is a people that are open to this and people that are not. And, um, and it's not to create an enemy or an other, but it's simply to say, even by holding that mirror up to some people and saying, look, you think that you're obeying God. You think that you're doing what is right. But what you're doing is actually not just exclusive, but what I try to tie this to in the book is that exclusion actually has tangible psychological harm. And so uh, until people get to see that they are the perpetuators of something that's not just being perceived by liberal snowflakes as mean, but is actually something that's hurting people deeply um, and actually has psychological consequences. Once people begin to see that, I think the them, um, is more likely to want to to use a biblical word, repent, to change their way, to expand their minds. And um, so, yeah, I do think as, as much as it is our proclivity to want to not other people and do us first mm-hmm. them, I think in some of these conversations, it is helpful to hold that mirror up for people. Right. And without without an arrogant or exclusive attitude about it or a shaming yeah. attitude or to just do it with with love and awareness and, and reality. Wow. And there is, yeah, you do cover a lot of that. Again, I recommend the book because there is so much in there. Um, The gospel of true inclusion. I like, that's what you call it. (laughs) Yeah. And how exclusion is. It's painful. It hurts the very, especially excluded for your identity. You go into a lot about that in your own journey. Um, I know 
just recently even oh man i'm looking at our time nope okay <laughs> um just recently even this morning i was tuning in i asked how can i serve god and um and i got some information for me that uh and i had shared this with you before in one of our conversations that being um a channel uh, a spiritual a mystic a psychic how um and and also um fluid in my sexuality that both those things the church the the establishment over history has um it's not been okay it's been wrong and there was that message that you are wrong and as i've um come out and been more sharing who i am and the idea that Jesus is a guide for me, that I'm bringing through I mean, the energy of his, the true message of love, that there's been this part that I'm afraid to talk about uh, in a way, loving Jesus. And, and because I didn't want to be associated with the Christian patriarchal exclusion that has the church that has been so um, punishing so it's interesting because I felt punished by it, but also afraid to identify now without talking about Jesus because afraid I'll also get seen as that. And it's a really kind of weird catch 22. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I realize it's the patriarchal part of church and the things that established church has done to the uh, minorities, the, the repressed uh, that I don't want to be associated with when in truth, Jesus's message has nothing to do with that. He was all about inclusion. Yeah, no, totally. I feel like uh, you're tapping into something that I think a growing number of Christians feel. Um, and it's, it's hard to divorce ourselves from the tradition um, of Christianity. And in some sense, uh, I think it's kind of impossible in some ways, like Jesus, what we know of him has been Christianized. And I do think that there's something pure um, and there's a pure desire in so many people just to say, can we just go back to the red letters, which refers to the, the specific teachings of Jesus in the Bible, get rid of everything else, get rid of all the re religious ritual, get rid of all the structures and power and just try to focus on what it looks like to live and see if Jesus's words actually work. And that's kind of, um, mm -hmm. that's kind of what my spirituality has looked like for the past couple of years is, I, I'd gotten so caught up in Christianity. I'd gotten so caught up of, I can do theology and I can do the rituals and I know all of that, but does Jesus and what he taught actually work? Does it produce a better life for me? And does it produce a better life for others? And very quickly, I think we all understand one, following Jesus is really, really hard. Um, like his commands are meant to cause us to have to reassess everything that we do and how we live. And when we actually start looking at his commands and trying to emulate them, we realize just how corrupt our religious establishments are. Because when you have Jesus saying, sell all you have and give to the poor, and yet the Vatican is the wealthiest institution on earth, um, you, you just, you begin to see the fundamental clashes that you're talking about. And the, many of us just don't want to be affiliated with that anymore. Yeah. So there's beautifully a time of rebirth and renewal that we're being called to yeah. um, with everything. And um, so perfect. I know in the book, you talk about how um, there's an intersectionality between the gender, um, the sexual identity, uh, yeah. race, being woman, all of that class socioeconomic that they all we have to change all of them. Um, totally. So when we're talking about Black Lives Matters and it's Pride Month um, and the inequalities to anyone, um, we're really addressing it's all one underlying thread. Not to say that, I mean, all of them have their importance in their own unique way they need to be addressed, but to see yeah. that it's this fundamental patriarchal kind of evil, we could say, right? Yeah. Being human that we're trying to, Jesus was calling us to be human in a totally different way. Um, yeah. So how can we create that heaven on earth? How can we love our neighbors as ourselves? Truly. Um, yeah. I yeah, think. No. I don't know. I 
go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just, no, no, on that point, because I see our time is wrapping up, but um, how, how do we do that together? Where, um, what advice might you leave listeners? Um, and also, how can they follow up? For one, your book, for sure, True Inclusion, which is Creating Communities of Radical Embrace by Brandon Robertson, is one. Um, but those who are called to be a part of this um, true inclusion, what? Yeah. Yeah. I think the most practical thing, you you read a quote earlier, and it's um, one of my favorite quotes, and it's actually not oh, cool. from, from me, but uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Not to be a voice for the voiceless, but to give a, give the voiceless back their voice. I think in that phrase, if we, if we try to embody that, meaning it's really good to be advocating for Black Lives Matter if you're a white person. It's really good to be advocating for LGBT inclusion if you're cisgendered, heterosexual. But what's even better and what leads to more true inclusion is trying to use our own privilege, our own platforms, to be a voice for others, to give others the ability to speak for themselves, to represent themselves, to um, to be able mm -hmm. to represent and fight for their own justice. Um, and so what that means is if privileged people give their time and their energy and their money to play a supporting role rather than needing to have their own platform, um, that will create more inclusion in whatever community you're in or whatever setting you're in. If instead of um, speaking up for other people, but rather giving whatever position you might have for others to speak for themselves, like that actually begins to really shift the power structures. Um, and so I think the simplest yeah. thing is just to do that, to try to give up what you have for the good of others. And other than that, yeah, I think um, not to be shamelessly self-promoting, but True Inclusion, it's a tiny book um, by most book standards. It's only like 80 or 90 pages long and it's meant to be practical. So if people really want to dig in, I hope that they will take a look at that. Awesome. And a website, which website would you send them to if they want to learn more about you and your, your church and what you're up to? Yeah, it's brandonrobertson.com and uh, it's B-R-A-N-D-A-N. Um, and yeah, you can find pretty much everything about me and everything I've ever done on that website. <laughs> yeah. And can I, can I end by saying, okay, I, well, can I say how old you are? <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> like, did you tell me you were 28, right? I turned 28 tomorrow. Oh, oh really? Happy yes. birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Aww, that's great. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm 49 going on 50 and I was like, Wow. You have done so much already in this time that you have been on the planet. And I thank you. And I'm so excited to join with you in this and see where you're headed next. Uh, yeah. Likewise. It's so good. I'm glad our, our paths have crossed and I'm just grateful for you and your work and witness as well. All right. Well, much love to you. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. All right. Woo. So yes, go and if you want to learn more about Brandon, again, it's B-R-A-N-D-A-N, Robertson, uh, his website.com, as well as the book, True Inclusion. And you can find it on Amazon. That's where I got my copy. And I imagine it's on other, other platforms as well. So we're going to take a 30-second, one-minute little musical interlude while I gather together to bring through the loving energy messages of the archangels and Jesus, who in my work as a bridge to the spiritual realm, I know that they are here to give us the opening and experience and support of what it is to live in love, open our hearts to love, share love. So we'll be back in just a few, about a minute. Thank you.
Welcome back. This is Amplify Love. And we are going to amplify some love right now. I'm Jenny G. Randolph, and I'm going to tune in to the High Council and let them come through. It's just a fancy name. So Jesus, the archangels, other guys, teachers, and a very inclusive energy of raising our vibration on this planet, raising our consciousness to the pure experience of ourselves as love and God beyond any specific name for God. So it's a very universal consciousness. And for me specifically, uh, the high council gathered and Jesus and the archangels coming through. So let's, I'm going to tune into them now, but I'm going to open it with a practice that can help each of us experience a connection to ourselves and to the present moment, to our bodies and to spirit and the spirit within us to prepare, to receive and hear what the high council wants to let us know today. So I invite you to uncross your legs if they're crossed, placing your feet firmly on the floor and closing your eyes if you wish. And if it's safe to do so, not if you're driving, please. All right, and let's take a big breath in and out. So breathing in and out. And on this next exhale, I invite you to consciously use the exhale, maybe make some noise to really release anything that's busy in your mind. Any thoughts about what we just talked about, maybe uncomfortableness about this channeling thing, uh, something you got to get to, or you're worried about, let's just put it aside for these next few minutes. So letting all of that go on this exhale, breathing in and out. <sighs> Good. And then placing a hand upon your heart and not your physical heart so much as this heart center in the middle of your chest. You may know it as your heart chakra home for feeling love and God's love. And let's take three deep breaths. And as you breathe, imagine and intend that this breath is coming in through your heart and out through your heart. And another in and out and in. And out. Good. If you want to know more about that simple technique of heart breathing and the power of our heart, you can go to Heart Math, as in math, like in school, heartmathinstitute.org. And it's a simple technique that really does bring us into presence and love and awareness. So in and of itself, if we all did a little more connecting in our hearts, the world would look different. I think there's a, a lot. And in Love's Curriculum, Jesus guides us in the heart of Jesus meditation. So much beauty in the heart where our light resides. So let's take one more breath into the heart and out. Good. And now we want to anchor and ground, as I call it, to the earth so that we can really expand into expansive light energy, peaceful energy without floating away or feeling um, farther from the world because we're really called to bring the light to the world as Jesus did. So feeling your feet on the floor, I want you to imagine sending roots out the soles of your feet. And these roots could look like plant roots, tree roots, doesn't matter. Just using your intention, your imagination, you're sending roots. They go from your feet down into Mother Earth. And then just asking and letting them spread out wherever they want to go. And they move out deep. Good. And now letting those roots come to rest and to anchor. And let's ask this beautiful Mother Earth that is our home 
and ask creator, God, all that is to send up any earth energies that we're needing, that you're needing. And just trusting as these energies move up through the roots, up through the soles of your feet, up through your legs and your torso into that heart center that you've already begun to activate. And again, just focusing your breath in and out of the heart as this supportive, energizing, nurturing earth energy begins to radiate out now from your heart with each breath, filling your entire body. And then as you breathe, it starts to radiate and push out into the energy field that you are as well. It goes beyond your skin. So you're filling your whole energy and beingness with this earth energy. And just breathing in and out of the heart. And then now bringing attention to the top of your head, to the crown chakra, as we, you may know it. And ask and intend that it be open, open to pure love, to God, to source, and to all loving helpers ancestors, Jesus, angels, loved ones who've passed on. We're just surrounding it all in the pure divine light that is there for you, your source, always there. So we can feel that source connection, that support, and imagine it now coming down through the top of your head like a white golden light coming down, down through your face and through your throat and into your heart center. Where as you breathe in and out of the heart, it begins to blend together with the earth energies swirling together in your heart. And then this energy that reminds you you are spirit in a body, supported by heaven and earth, letting it fill your entire body, this energy. As you breathe in and out of your heart. Good. And it radiates out again past your physical body. And breathing. And asking to be supported, asking Jesus to draw near or an archangel or all of it. But the sense that you are protected and safe, that you are opening to God's love. Good. And I ask now that the High Council come near, that you come through me to this group. I ask that my guides and Jesus and the angels Help me be a clear conduit for this time together, these messages, this energy. And I ask that any fears go, any fears that anyone listening may have, any of my own fears and doubts be taken away as we open to the pure source of love and the loving help that is whispering and guiding us. Jesus is guiding us on how to live, how to be human in a more loving and inclusive way. And I ask that as the high council comes through, that this be in the highest good of each one listening, the highest good of all and in the name of love. And so it is. Ah, dear ones, we, we realize we come to you. Um, we realize we come to you in love. And yet there is a, mistaken fear, a veil of fear, as human beings have struggled through the ages, uh, a fear of God, a fear of the unknown, a fear of death, so many fears associated with your human consciousness. And we ask not that you must replace that fear with love or Try somehow to 
circumnavigate that fear or ignore that fear, but that that fear, that way of being human is about being human. It is part of the complicated journey that you have there as human beings. And Jesus himself was able to make that balance, to rise above, to face and move through the human judgments, the human fears, not again to bypass them or ignore them, but to transmute them, to transmute them in love. And so when fear arises, if you could then turn to love, ask love to ease your fear, it's simple. It's simply what we ask, that you would bring your fears to love to open that doorway to God's great love. We notice even in the channel, Jenny here now, her own limitations and rigidness and fears of bringing through. And so again, we try to explain to you, even someone who is able to be a conduit for our love will have fear. There is no escaping it while you are human beings but to walk with it differently. As Jesus said, as I, Jesus, I am here with the high council, said to be in the world, but not of it. But to be in the world means you will see fear in your brothers and sisters. You will experience fear in yourself. But if you could bring it even to your guide, Jesus, and say, Jesus, how do I look at this? And we understand that it may seem impossible that always is that doubt going to come in. What is of God? Is this God talking to me or not? Is this the way Jesus would tell me to live or not? We understand. And that is the ego, the ego mind that is part of your journey. But the more that you stop trying to figure that out and ask for love and for grace, and then learning to trust that love and that grace, you know, each one of you knows what love feels like as opposed to fear. And so when you doubt, surrender your doubts to Jesus, to love. And see what you experience. Trust your experience of grace, of love. All of you see and know love. And it does take surrendering, getting out of your own way. No longer trying to figure it out or to push away fear, but again, Call on something higher and then trust as you feel it move through you. Trust. We ask that you trust love. And begin to see the difference between the feeling of fear and love. Here we are not speaking about a genuine fear that you should feel if the assailant is trying to hurt you or the tiger is trying to chase you, so to speak. We speak instead of the fear that you aren't somehow safe with your brothers and sisters internally or safe being yourself or safe to love and be loved. So just breathe in now. See as we send out rays of love with the hand upon your heart. Ask God, ask Jesus. They would help you trust and know love. Letting fear drift away as you breathe now together in my love, God's love. Welcoming in Jesus as a guide into your heart, as a brother, if that is true for you. Or welcoming in another saint or guide or angel. God, Mother, Father, God, Him, Herself. Welcoming in kindness would lead you, compassion for yourself and for others, that you would be gentle with yourself, being gentle with yourself in love. Continuing to breathe. Breathing in love and trust. 
breathing in love and trust that as a human society, you will learn how to love each other, how to end crime and poverty, how my Jesus's way of living, my messages that that could become manifest now. Trust in the ability of God to express through you. For when you doubt that you will find your way, you forget that you are children of God. With God as a source of help, the power of love and God moving through you. So call on again, call on a higher power of love and God to assist you in this time. Because that is part of the solution. Again, as we said, when you call on our help, call on God's help in the face of fear, in the face of not knowing what to do. It is then that love and grace can move through you and create heaven on earth. So one big more breath in, receiving love, support, and trust. And knowing that Jesus is always with you, that we are with you, that love and God are with you. And whatever way you connect with God, whatever name, whatever gender or, or lack of gender you assign to the divine, that all of it is welcome. And it leads you to love. And so it is. All right. So slowly opening your eyes. Ah, Maybe taking a sigh. Feeling all that love generated in your heart. I thank you for being here with me and with Brandon Robertson here earlier. Again, if you want to follow his work, brandonrobertson.com, his book, True Inclusion. And if you're looking to connect more with me, go to lovescurriculum.com. Follow me on Instagram at loves underscore curriculum. We've got this. Let's trust ourselves. Let's let love move through us in small and big ways. Love to each one of you. Take care.